Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the literary briefs episode. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Okay, let's wait. Let's talk about people who are here. I might like, just keep drinking. Just keep drinking. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today, J.M. Paquette. And our guest today is Todra Candle. Yay. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking real quick. So I have made, I, it was supposed to be coffee with honey jack and cream, and it really it's turned into honey jack with cream and a little coffee. So I'm pretending that that's, it's really yummy though. Okay. Had a lot. Okay, Jen, what is your non-alcoholic self drink? I'm drinking a bubbly, a lime bubbly. Ooh, I love those. Ooh, aren't you fancy? That would be so much better with gin in it. Okay. (laughs) What are you drinking? I'm finishing up my Hawaiian Angel here. It's got a little bit of it's. Uh, I think it's down to mostly rum at this point, coconut rum. <laughs> I appreciate. You should tell everybody what that is so they can drink along because it sounds amazing. It is a uh, pineapple juice, um, uh, cranberry juice, and coconut rum. It is fabulous. It and, is. Yes. In case you is, wondered, you can substitute vanilla rum if you didn't. If you ran out of coconut, coconut rum, or or any rum, you can just. Keep Any rum. Joking. All rum is good, yeah. And she had a tiki glass. You guys can't see that that she was drinking out of. It was very festive. <laughs> and it actually came from Hawaii. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Okay. So this is our rapid fire questions. I'm going to get my two rapid fire questions that I always just stop laughing at me, Jen, that I always remember. And then we'll go from there. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time? Oh, um, it's it's a book that not many people have read. Recently, it's called Celia Garth, and it's by Gwen Bristow, who wrote a bunch of historical um, romances in probably the 60s and 70s. And it's about the Revolutionary War, and I, I love it. It's it's probably yeah. Why do you love it? What do you what do you love about um, it? It's it's history because it's set during the the um, occupation of Charleston during the Revolution, and it's romance, and it's. Um, it, it teaches you things and you don't even know you enjoy learning because you know, that's, she just includes a lot of, uh, really, really cool history. Um, along with the wonderful characters, that's key for me. Gotta be great characters. So it's got amazing characters in it. And, um, and it's just, and it's a beautiful romance and it talks, it's a lot about people. It, it talks a lot about things that, I mean, I, I have been reading this book since I was, nine years old and I made my children read it when I was homeschooling and yeah, it's, it's totally, totally worth it. So you had a required reading list when you were homeschooling your children. (laughs) Well, yeah, there are certain things when we were doing the revolution, but that was fun. I mean, they got to read that instead of reading a textbook about the revolution, you know, and then I took them to Charleston and showed them all the places that they talked about in the book. So, oh wow, you know, yeah, that's hands on. Okay. What is your um, least favorite book of all time? Oh gosh. Um, that would be really hard. You know what? I, um, the old man in the sea by Ernest Hemingway. I am not. Yeah. I am not an Ernest Hemingway fan at all. And I had to read him when I was a freshman in high school and I had, I had the best English teachers in high school. Like they were, they, I credit them with everything that I am and 
have done and, and hopefully they're proud of me. <laughs> um, but this particular one, I just hate it. And I'm not quiet about books I don't like. <laughs> and I went on a rampage about this book. And my teacher was like, so you're not a Papa fan. We get this. He said, the good news is you don't have to read Hemingway for the rest of high school. You're good. Oh, um, wow. And when I went to college, I specifically majored in English with a concentration in British literature. So I never <laughs> had to read Hemingway. Yeah. So, yeah. You didn't want to count the lines of dialogue to figure out who's talking? Oh, my gosh. No. And then the, the funny thing is my son is actually a fan of his. So I'm like, whatever it's manly men doing manly things i think so yeah 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 so maybe that's it i don't know so what are you reading right now i am reading Kristen higgins book um always the last to know yes which just came out and i'm loving it and i'm making it stretch out um and usually i have two or three books that i'm reading concurrently but um I'm, I'm kind of between things right now. I finished um, a early pre-read of Violet Howe's new book, The Phantom and the Footlights. That was super good. That's not out yet. That'll be at the end of July. Um, I have been reading. Oh, I have, there's an L. Kennedy book coming out that I'm about to read, but it's not out yet. Um, yeah. And, you know, for me, there's some authors who are just like automatic buys. Kristen Higgins is one. Uh, Julia Spencer Fleming. Um uh, Serena Bowen, um, L. Kennedy, Violet Howe, um, uh, Lisa Huey. She has a new one coming out in her Billionaire Breakfast Club pretty soon. So, yeah, there's ones that I'm like, yay! So excited. Are you, are you paperback reader or on a screen? Um, I like a paperback if I'm going to the beach, which this is the time of year where I'm, I'm there a little bit more, um, but generally on the screen, generally on my phone which is terrible for my eyes. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. But I can't read books on my phone. I love my Kindle, but the phone screen is so tiny to me. Yeah. Like I can't do that. But it sounds like, do you read more than one book at a time? Generally, yeah. If I, How yeah. many books do you get going at the same time? I can't do that because I get the stories confused. Well, I used to joke that when I lived in a two-story house, I had an upstairs book, a downstairs book, and a car book. This was when my kids were, you know, my two my two middle daughters danced. And so I was usually every night of the week, I was taking them to dance and I would sit in the parking lot a lot. Um, I, I wish I had those hours back because I would have been writing. Um, I would have been a little bit ahead. Um uh, but, I'm sorry, your 100 books are not ahead. Well, <laughs> hold on. I would have been at 400 books by now if I wasn't reading. No, really. No, all that time I wasted. Um, uh, yeah, so, but now I generally have one on my, one to two on my phone, um, one that is a, a paperback probably, um, you know, for beach and, yeah, just in case I needed one that I, like if my phone isn't charged up or something. So I, I probably have one to two going. And usually I have a nonfiction as well. I just finished Jen Hatmaker's new book. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be reading something by her, by Glennon Doyle, by um, Elizabeth Gilbert, something like that. So, yeah, I have a lot of friends who give me recommendations for those. So are you a fast reader then? Obviously, this yeah. is a lot of. I love this. We're talking to her about how many books she writes. She's like, for the next four years, I'm going to only write, like, I think it's 40 books. And I'm like, what? Like, 
we were talking about this a little bit on the break, but um, to tell everybody else, are you are you uh, devoted? Do you finish a book if it's if it's not grabbing you? Do you do you stick in there or do you let it go? I try to stick with it as long as I can. Um, what is a stopper for me is really poor dialogue. You know, like if I can't hear the character saying it or if, if it's, if it just doesn't sound natural, it's really hard for me to continue a book. Um, I try to finish, but there are some that I just am like, no, I I can't do it. Yeah. So I do my best these days. I'm almost always a finisher because I'm really only reading books that I know I'm going to like. I, I rarely am taking, taking a chance on somebody, unless somebody has said to me, you need to read this. You will, you will love this. This, this will speak to you. So. Well, we talked about that you were sort of part of the, the, the blossoming. I forget what I came to seedling. Garden. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to make analogies of shit. I don't even understand. So good. Good. Nascent, um, the nascent market. Um, yeah, there you go. Shut up big words over there. Um, <laughs> of indie publishing. Did you find early on, um, that it was hard to read some of the indie published books. Like, I mean, I think that's still probably the case. What throws you out of the story? Uh, Dialogue, um, contradictory uh, description or repetitive description, info dumps, um, bad editing. You know, I I understand that there's going to be, I know there's going to be typos. It doesn't matter how many, editors, proofreaders, whatever, you're going to miss some. I I understand that. But if it's really, really poor editing that I can tell that nobody has gone over this at all, and you don't see that so much anymore, at least I don't. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Or, or just something that for, for whatever reason, I'm a big character. I'm a character writer. I'm also a character reader. If the character doesn't like, it seems disingenuous. I can't do it. That'll yeah. do it for me. What, what are your thoughts on the Oxford comma? Oh, oh do, do oh, not okay. answer that question necessarily. <laughs> she So um, Jen is a PhD in English literature, not British literature, English literature. British so literature is English literature. Whatever. Well, anyway, blah. I've read the Americans as well. Right. So um, she's very passionate about the Ox- Oxford comma. I mean, you can feel free to answer it. Just know that you may be going into dangerous territory. Well, my, my readers, this is actually a big joke with my readers because I've had editors who have put it in. And I, I'm i not against it, but I don't always agree with it. I, I agree with – I was taught that a comma is used if you have a compound sentence. Like, I went to the store and I picked up grandma. Okay, so I went to the store, comma, and I picked up grandma. Two Mm. different, that's absolutely fine. But that if you were doing a list, if you were saying, I bought gin, vodka, um, tequila, and rum, you did not put a comma after tequila. There should be no comma between tequila and the word and. That's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. That's the newspaper. Um, Newspapers came in and were like, "You don't need that comma." And then Oxford right. came back and said, "Actually, you do, because when you don't have a comma, what what you're saying is those two things that come after the only comma you have are examples of the thing that came before. And when it matters, right. it really matters." Right. And I agree with you. And I, and so I, I guess I'm a conditional Oxford comma person. That if, if you're reading a sentence <laughs> and you can see that it's going to mess it up, like um, "Let's eat, Grandma." Let's yeah. eat grandma. Okay. But I don't 
think, but I, there are times that it, there is, and, and I was, I was um, a journalism major before I was anything else. So I, I probably do hearken back to that. You know, if, if you don't need it, you don't need it, mm-hmm. you know, don't put it in. Um, so yeah. yeah that, that was printers who were like, you know, if we got rid of a whole page of these commas, we could put another ad at the bottom of the page. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you are a journalism major. Did you ever do journalism? I was the editor of our school newspaper from the time I was a sophomore in high school. And um, so I did that. And then I have been the editor of many different church newsletters. Um, yeah, which is a trying. That, that could be a whole book series in and of itself. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can see the look on her mm. face right yeah you it was just it was not yeah um but I actually I had started out in journalism in in um college and really did not like did not feel like it was a good fit for me and um I had a I had taken an upper level history class because I had tested out of the all of the early history classes so I was in a history class with seniors when I was a freshman in college and uh, this one professor took such a shine to me, he took me under his wing and, um, he was like, you should be a history major. And so I was <laughs> because it was, and it was so, I loved history. So I was a history major, um, a double major history, um, and English with a minor in, or a concentration, not a minor, a concentration in British, uh, literature. And on the history side, I had a concentration in, um, uh, British, uh, uh monarchy. So, where are your British monarchy books? Where I know, you know, well, I actually, I have, you know, I have a Royal series. I have the, the anti Cinderella is a Royal series. And that was a lot of fun for me to write because I was finally using, I mean, I don't go in there and talk about, but, but she does make allusions in there to her because I, I actually use the real British Royal family. I just gave the current queen another son. So oh. I did not want to write about Charles or Anne or Andrew or Edward because they already have their own story. So in my world, the queen had another son who married and had a son. And so this is, it's the queen's grandson who is the main male lead. And, um, he, uh, he's not like, he's not anywhere near the throne. There's no, there's no worries that all of his cousins are going to die and he's going to end up inheriting the throne, but he's still, a celebrity in, in England because he's this good looking grandson of the, of the queen. So yeah, that's been fun. That's been a lot of fun. I'm, I believe that I am. Yeah. Uh, but where I want to know, like, so where do you stand on Jane Austen? Because it sounds like you have a uh, quite the ability to go down that path if you want to. <laughs> I love Jane Austen. Um, but I, I, I do. I really, I love Jane Austen. I love just about anything that was written, um, in that time period. Um, but I think I'm more an appreciator than a, than a writer. I don't, I love to read, um, books set in Scotland and in England in the Regency period. Uh, Lisa Kleppis, um, oh, there's, there's another, yeah, maybe it's Lisa. I'm trying to think who else. There's another couple of different, uh, authors who I really enjoy their books that are written during that time. But it, again, it's just not something, it, it's nice for me to be able to read it knowing that I'm not going to write it. There's, there's a freedom in that, that I, that I'm not going, Ooh, would I be able to do this? Would I be able to pull this off? Whatever. So I don't know, maybe someday the story will, 
you know, it would have to be the right character will pop into my head and I'll, and I'll have to write that. But um, maybe we've planted a seed here drinking with others. If we see one come out, I'm going to be like, we better be in the dedication. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, were you going to ask something? You had that look on your face. Yeah. When, when you're writing, are you a silent writer? Like, or do you have music on and are there words to the music? Yes. Yes. I am. A, I'm a music person. All of my books have playlists and they're on Spotify and they're also linked in the back of the books and, and listed in the back of the books because music is huge for me. Um, if I ever am really stuck, I listen to music and I get unstuck. Um, so yeah, I always have music. Uh, sometimes I know this is not usual, but sometimes I even have the TV on if there's something, um, if I'm, if I'm writing a football book, I will have a football documentary on. There's a, a series on Amazon Prime called All or Nothing that follows different football teams. And, um, you know, if it's not during regular times from August through January, I would have real football on. But we'll see whether we get a football back this year. Um, but, Is, uh, yeah. Are, are you being affected by the coronavirus like has it has it affected your your work at all i realize it's affected everybody's life but um, home. you know it, it in a lot of ways it really hasn't because i am i'm mostly a homebody anyway and mm-hmm. i live in florida and I, I i hesitate to say this but life really here hasn't changed that much for mm-hmm. us at least and um i mean we're we're very careful because my son has uh, severe asthma. So we are very careful to be masked when we go out. Um, we're very careful. My, my daughter early on put up a sign, my, my 28-year-old daughter put up a sign by the front door and caught it the sanitation station. And there's alcohol and bleach and you take off your shoes and you change your clothes before you go in the rest of the house. So we are, we are careful, um, but everything where we are is open. Um, we had a very short period of, of quarantine in Florida. Um, the ramifications of that we'll see. We're, well, we're, we're seeing that now. I mean, we're in Florida as well. And we're, unfortunately it's during COVID and I work in, um, human resources as my quote unquote day job. And trust me, it's been one of the most frustrating things because arguing against, the government saying one thing, but looking and going, no, nobody, are we not paying attention to what's going on? I, you know, uh, a friend of mine sends uh, a a meme all the time. That's a person sitting in a room on fire and it literally (laughs) says, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's good. And you're like, this is terrible. And I, I think, you know, we, we have talked to some writers that this has kind of put them in a funk. I mean, we all, we all, you're a full-time writer and have been a full-time writer, but for those of us that are like, gosh, I'd love to just be able to stay home and write and get all this stuff done. And that's not what's necessarily happened for a lot of writers. Yeah. I, um, I was a little different in that when everything began hitting, um, my my husband and I are both originally from South Jersey, and um, his aunt and uncle are our only remaining family. They're they're just a little older than us because of the way his his family was uh, his his grandparents had their children. They're just a little bit older than us, but they were selling the family farm that we all, you know, I've been part of my husband's family for thirty three years, so um, you know they they were selling the farm, and we had already committed to go up and help them move, and so we were in North Carolina driving as everything was 
was falling apart and everything was going on quarantine. We got to New Jersey and there was a, um, a curfew and everything was closed and everybody was quarantined. We didn't see anybody, but my aunt and uncle while we were up there, um, we, all we did was stay in the house and pack. And that was great because normally we would have been going out to dinner with them and, you know, doing all this stuff. We got a lot done. Um, but people said to us, do you understand that if you go up there, you may not be able to come back. The States may be closed as you, as you try to come home. Our kids are all old, you know, or older, you know, grown. So, um, we weren't terribly worried and I know I can write anywhere. I knew I could write. However, I had committed to release, um, three books, the next three books in my military series on April 7th. Um, so I knew after we came back home and we were able to get back to Florida, um, that I had to buckle down and finish these books. So I didn't have a choice. It wasn't like, do I feel like writing? Do I not feel like writing? These books had to come out. They were already set. So um, they did, and they they came out, and they were fine. Um, and now I have this other series that I've committed to. So, um, you know, as I said before, I'm an, I'm an obliger. So if I have a commitment, it's going to get done. I mean, if I'm still breathing. So it was not really hard for me. It was actually the harder thing for me was that everybody in my house was in my house. I'm used to, (laughs) I'm used to, I have, I have two kids still at home and I love the fact that I have them here, but, um, they were here, (laughs) you know, they were like here all the time. Um, my, my son's school closed, his, his uh, job closed. Um, my daughter was still working, uh, but her hours were cut. Um, my husband, most of his work is uh, in a senior facility. That's where he he ministers to um, to people in nursing homes and senior facilities. He hasn't been able to to be inside any of those since the end of February. Um, you know, because they're all still closed and will remain closed for the time being, which is good. They need to be because we don't want any of our seniors getting sick. Um, but uh, that's where it changed my dynamic was that I had a lot more company than I'm used to. So <laughs> that makes isn't sense. that wonderful? Isn't that it fun? Is, <laughs> it, it, it is. And I, I, I think, again, it definitely changed things, changed the way we look at things. You were just talking about timelines. And um, I want to talk about timelines a little bit because it's stuck in my brain and that's what we're doing because I'm drinking. So we're going to talk yeah, about timelines. Yeah. Okay. Do you think um, that helps you get to your goal is having the committed because especially when you put up things for pre-order and stuff like that, Amazon, yeah. many of these places are not very forgiving. They don't do like you can move it sometimes once and that's right. it. Like you're, you're committed. Right. Yeah. I, I will not put up a pre-order on Amazon unless I am a hundred percent sure I can meet that deadline. Um, the other vendors really are very easy to change it. It's, it's not a problem. But I also think that if I've made the commitment to my readers that a book is going to be up, um, you know, and I've been very fortunate that I've not had something like a sick husband, a sick child, um, anything that has, has prevented me from being sick myself, I guess, um, that has prevented me from doing that so far. I hope that it does not, but I am, um, I am careful. There, there was, I had kind of half committed to my readers that I was going to put up the next series. Um, it's a brand new series in my erotic romance, uh, name, but, um, just with a lot of different things happening that that's only, that's not going to be done until maybe the fall. Um, but I didn't put it up for pre-order. I had like a, I had a sense that it just wasn't going to come together. So I did not put it up. So, um, and I'm glad I didn't because I'd be, uh, I'm, 
for this news trilogy that's coming out, there's a serial that I started in February that will end the Friday before the first book comes out. And it's like a prequel serial that leads okay. into the first book. So that means that in addition to all my other writing, every other week I'm releasing a 2,000-word chapter in this in this book. So, And I also have to write a novella that's going to be coming out in Christmas uh, as part of a Christmas anthology. Um, so I really I have my hands full. I'm, I'm – yeah. I don't know why you'd say that with 40 books on the lineup. I'd be, yeah, I don't I just, know. Hi. I think you're just, whatever, lazy. I know. Hi. I'm a big slacker. <laughs> <laughs> I can get it. It's, it's, we're talking about this, and I'm like, did she say 40 books? Like, in my brain, I keep going, did she say 40 books? Wow. Like, explosion. I know. So do you write generally on a laptop? How do you? Yes. I write on my laptop. Yeah. And yep. And do you find like you have to shut off like Facebook and stuff? Can those be the dreaded things in the background or can you ignore them? I, I, yeah, I can. And if I know that I have to get something done, if I, if I know that I'm, that it's just a regular day and, and I should get 5,000 words, but the world's not going to end if I don't. I, I will sometimes like bop over because I, I have a, like a, it's not even so much Facebook as it is messenger. So I have a running messenger feed with a couple of my best author friends and my kids. And, um, so I'll jump over there sometimes and talk and, um, um, yeah, but I, I try not to, it's, it's kind of my thing. Like, okay, you can write for an hour and then you can take 10 minutes and, and go answer things, you know, go do that. But, um, I, I can be disciplined if I need to, but I can also say, eh, it's okay. <laughs> let's go, let's go look at the pretty pictures on Instagram. Let's, you know. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh my God. Rabbit hole, rabbit hole that one oh, can go down totally. clicking on anything on any of the social totally. media sites. Totally. Totally. And then it'll be like, you liked rabbit videos. Here are places that sell rabbits. <laughs> and then you're like, what the hell? Like, when did that happen? What was that? Yeah. Uh, um, so let's talk about research a little bit. So you talked about, are you a football fan? Oh, huge football fan. Yeah. <laughs> huge. So yeah. did you um, play or sidelines or cheerleader? Like, what did you? I did not. I, um, I grew up with, uh, I, I have a sister, but there's just two of us. And uh, my dad was a big football fan and my mom too. And uh, my dad, both my dad and my husband went to West Point. So my first love was army football. Like I, that's the earliest thing I can remember is going to the army Navy game, watching the army Navy game. Um, and, and from there it kind of, uh, you know, my, my dad was a big Eagles fan. So I, was, I became uh, an Eagles fan too, living near Philadelphia. Um, and it's just been one of those things that my dad taught me about football. So it wasn't just like, Oh, it's the cute guy with the, the tight end. Um, you know, it was, it was okay. Downs and, and, you know, the, the yardage and what a safety was, uh, both position and, and the, the, you know, the play. Um, and it's just become something that is, I don't know. It just, it's, it's become a bigger issue for me in, in recent years because I really have concerns about, um, safety for our football players. And I hate to see 
what's happened. I watched a documentary. This is this is how low I've sunk during COVID. I watched a documentary on the 1985 Chicago Bears the other night. Oh my God! Um, right, it was the year of you know um, McMahon and the refrigerator and. Um, um, you know, it was, it was just there. It was the only, it was the first year they've won the, uh, the Super Bowl. got to the Super Bowl um, since 1962, I think was in 1985. And, and they haven't since it was kind of the one year Mike Ditka. Um, and they were talking about the fact that one of their players, I think it was Dave Duress uh, killed himself not long after. Um, and he donated his brain to the NFL because um, he really believed that it was the, you know, the, the concussive, uh, the co- repeated concussions that caused his, his issues. And we've seen this time and time again. And I, I love football, but I don't want to see anybody die because of it. You know, I mean, clearly, I, I, I don't know why I even have to say that, but. Um, no, totally. And yeah. that has been a huge, you know, luckily yeah. they're paying attention to it now, but yes. unfortunately, like so many issues, it takes a lot of things happening for somebody to go, oh, maybe we should actually look at what they're saying, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they Definitely. they talked about that. But you, the reason I ask is because you also said you got a medical series yes. coming out, right? And did you do a lot of research for that? Because if you were a, a football fan and, you know, I, I enjoy live sports. Like, I don't actually like watching them on TV. I enjoy uh-huh. the live. I like the crowd. I think it's an energy thing for me. I just I, enjoy yeah. the crowd, even if the, you know, bucks here are losing, because um, that <laughs> happens all the time. But um, it, when you when you do this, you obviously understood the plays, understood how the game works. So when you're talking about football, you're not talking oh, yeah. from a, you know, because research is very important if you're going to talk quote unquote, educatedly on a topic or have a character do something that can throw somebody out of a story instantly. You know, not a lot of, I don't want to say not a lot of women are football fans, but I can say, I think the majority of my friends don't completely understand the game. Maybe they wouldn't realize that you said something that was not correct, but the people that will, will be like, this is garbage. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Did you do a lot of research for the medical book? I did actually. And the, the main, um, my, my woman lead in that is a naturopath who is, so that's actually a doctor who goes to a school, uh, a naturopathic medical college and specializes in medicine that is much closer to nature. Um, you know, eating, um, more holistic, um, healing methods, um, supplements, just, just a whole different way of looking at medicine. And that was important to me because I am kind of a a crunchy girl. And, um, and that was fascinating. I actually have watched, um, uh, webinars and I've, I've done a lot of reading about what naturopaths do. And especially because this is set on an oncology wing. And so where, what the role of the naturopath is in the treating oncology patients. Um, and it's been fascinating. Um, I, I've joked to my kids that I think I know what I want to be when I grow up. I'm going to, I'm going to be a naturopath. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, all right, whatever. So yeah, so that's been, that's been very interesting. And kind of the, that's, that's kind of the rub in the story is that you have the, the main deacon, the main character uh, on the male side, who is a traditional scientific doctor. And then you have Emma, who is the, the, the kind of crunchy naturopath and she's a vegan and, um, yeah, she's, you know, she's just totally different. And they, they really, really butt heads before they, before they butt other things. 
dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Right, yeah. Brown chicken, brown cow. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, we're nearing the end of the episode, which is terrible. You are amazing to talk to. Tell people how to find you. Shameless self-promotion time. So wait. Shameless self-promotion. What is the new series coming out? The medical series is? Diagnosis Love. And it is available for pre-order on all vendors. Um, and uh, you can find it on Amazon, Apple Books, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Google, and all the little ones too. Um, and you can find me on my website. And there is information for pre-ordering the books also on my website. And that is Um Facebook. Uh, I'm, I'm there both my page and my, my uh, profile both Tadra. Um, I have a reader group on Facebook that's called the Temptresses. Um, I'm on Ooh. Instagram. I'm on Instagram as Tadra. Um, and on Twitter as Tadra. It's, I'm really consistent. So if you, if you Google my first name, you will find me. So that is awesome. And you have an amazing newsletter where people get content every week from you, which is yes. awesome. Not every author has every week. So if they want to become a, a temptress, is that a your temptress. fan base? Yes. A yes. temptress, they can sign up for your newsletter. That's male or yep. female. Either one can be that. It's totally Absolutely. on board. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, it has been amazing having you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with Thank us. Thank you for having me. It's been Thank a pleasure you. to be here. Awesome. I, I hope I can get up. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I'm not necessarily rooting for that. I already know I can't. It's going to be fun in a moment. So, anyway, this has been Drinking with Authors, Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Jay Paquette. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>